Welcome to the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast, a show dedicated to modern learning and development with your hosts, Daniel Mendoza and Scott Babcock. It's podcast day. Welcome to the show. This is If You Build It, Will They Learn. I'm Scott Babcock and he's back. He's back this week. Daniel is with me. Daniel Mendoza, uh, our co-host extraordinaire, decided to come back and join us in the studio. How, how was your week off, Daniel? Uh, you went with extraordinaire. I mean, I, it didn't feel much like a week off, seeing as I, I was here for like the first 25 minutes of the time we were supposed to record, and I wanted to put my fist through my you know, screen and my mic and all of the other technology that we have that records this podcast. But we're back. Everything's working. And I feel like I've already filled my quota for episodes I haven't attended this year for this season. So should be here the rest of the way. Yeah, admittedly, Daniel did join us for a while, silently screaming at a screen while his microphone wouldn't allow him to communicate with us. But we're going to still give him crap anyway. Uh, but it's good to have him back. And and you don't have to listen to just me drone on and on for 20 minutes. So uh, I'm going to I'm not even sure that's how long last week's episode was. I, it probably was much longer than that, or at least felt longer for, for the listening audience. But this week, we've got a, a kind of a take on uh, a next iteration of what we talked about last week. We want to spend some time talking about user-generated content and how that can be sort of incorporated into your technology, how it plays a part in your culture, in your organization, how you might be able to utilize it in an efficient and effective way, uh, and some of the benefits you might see. So... Should be a fun topic for today. Let's get started. So when we talk about user-generated content, uh, we thought it'd be easiest to sort of break it into different types of the ways users generate content and maybe even what content is on your platform. So um, the first one we want to talk about is just conversation. Uh, Users generating content by just having dialogue on your set um, is a good way to let users have a voice and start to encourage others to talk through scenarios, to converse about products, benefits and features when talking to customers, things like that. And that can be content on a platform. So letting people have, whether it's sort of a Reddit style communication thread, whether it's being able to comment directly in a, like to content itself, like a, an e-learning or a document, or whether it's having some sort of social media feed um, where you have sort of a community environment, all of these are ways that users can generate uh, some form of content in the in the sense of text uh, and encourage others to contribute back and forth and, and actually have um, an interaction with each other. And I think that's a really, we'll start with that as sort of a baseline good way that most systems allow users to communicate with each other. I, you know, going off of that, I think that the, the, the general kind of theme of today's conversation and it's kind of been with the the concept of social learning is going to be around the the idea that that learning can happen anywhere and i think that we've talked about this before when we've mentioned events or other sort of learning activities that one of the ways that you learn the most and you engage in and um, retain the most information is through conversations with others and kind of leaning on their knowledge or or wisdom or information that they have um, and receiving it back so um, providing outlets for team members or coworkers or um, acquaintances or potentially if you're in an open system, people from around the world um, to communicate, have conversations, ask questions, um, debate a little bit. Uh, 
opens up a whole new level of thinking, um, a whole new level of thought process. Um, it allows um, people to to maybe approach things from a direction that they necessarily don't uh, look at things from. I, know, I can think of a specific scenario with an event we ran a few years ago where the event was over and the, the community portion of the event application was still up and running. And it was like 20 something days after the event and somebody just posed a question and said like, Hey, I ran into this situation today in the store and this is what I did. Would anybody approach this differently? And a bunch of people just rushed to it and kind of gave answers. And you saw a bunch of different perspectives from a bunch of different people, um, which I thought was really valuable, but because everyone else around also sees the way that flows to them. So that general conversation, that uh, the ability to ask questions, give answers, um, reply to others is a huge way to just in inherently increase value without making it seem like um, you're pushing content down to your team members or the learners. Um, it's really a natural way to um, add community to the culture of learning within your organization. I think when you talk about the idea of posting this, hey, I, this was the scenario I had, here's what I did, maybe I didn't love the outcome, or um, I thought it went okay, but I'm wondering if anybody has any other ideas. I think it's, that's an opportunity for your general population to also act as coach or mentor to, again, bring those new ideas and help people think differently, or possibly just justify their uh, position in a way that uh, solidifies or helps them kind of formulate a a definition for the reasons they do things and better understand them in, in their own way. Um, so I think general conversation is, is great for bringing a lot of responsibility to the community. It, we always say, you know, the more brains is better than one, right? How, whether it's two brains, three brains, four brains, obviously if you can have your entire audience contributing ideas. You get the power of a much more diverse thought uh, group and, and some brainstorming and information. So uh, when we talk about, the idea of content, just dialogue is content on a system. And I think too often that is left as a distraction or thought of as a distraction in a lot of organizations. Um, and it can be really powerful and a, and a great tool to sort of build out your culture. Uh, just to add on that and, and to not, you know, be a dead horse to think about the reality that the majority of businesses today um, that, you know, make up our audience or that we're working with are remote um, and aren't necessarily in cubicles next to each other or in a meeting room together or walking by the water cooler, um, giving them outlets in areas where they can have discussions just about their day-to-day -day, uh, is a huge, it's very advantageous. I know that's the thing that our teams are missing the most about not being in the office. And I don't think that that differentiates um, from any sort of business. So giving avenues where they can talk about you know, their day-to-day -day tasks, but also learning in general, um, what's upcoming, other things um, is going to continue to drive that a little bit of normalcy around the virtual world we're operating in. All right, so conversation will be our first uh, form of user-generated content. Now let's get maybe into what we traditionally think of as content on a platform, the, the downloadable assets or the uh, interactions, videos, e-learning type of content and how users contribute there. Uh, and I think of this sort of in two ways. And so we'll break these down over the next two segments into two different groups of more traditional content. And the first is more uh, what we call resources. Um, this is going to be uh, job aids or, or 
forms, coaching uh, tools, intake things that are generated by the audience on uh, a necessity-based component. Basically, they're doing their job in some way, shape, or form. They have found that they need something to help them do it better, more efficiently, to coach others, to help new people uh, join the organization and ramp up more quickly. And they have found a way to do that by creating something that they use. Obviously, then they want to share that with the masses, give that back to the organization and say, hey, this worked for me. It might also work for you. So, um, and again, this can be something as simple as taking screenshots of a system and then putting notes to, you know, when I do this, I click these buttons or whatever and, and providing people as a way to, to navigate through maybe a return or uh, a difficult delivery scenario. These can be intake forms. I'm working with a client and I'm always having to figure out like what their needs are so that we can deliver for them. And it was best to just make this into a questionnaire style form. And they want to share that with others so that they can be just as efficient in their client interactions. So when we, when we think of this, this is going to be a lot more of like a downloadable offline asset that you can kind of almost carry with you using your day-to-day job as a reference material. And so we'll start there. Um, and we, we can talk through what those things are, or maybe some of the pitfalls that an organization might have. But um, I think this is maybe more the natural progression of what's next from a user-generated standpoint. Just to, you know, adding to that, um, encouraging individuals within your organization to create or, you know, reference and, and use resources that, that guide them to success, I think it's something that's just from an over, overall organization perspective um, or a team perspective is, is a really positive interaction. If, if, if I'm going from point A to point B and I need to learn something or I need to complete a sale or complete a task and I maybe am a different type of learner or, or you know maybe I'm a little bit more hands-on, um, maybe I have a written job aid and a video, but I need, to, I need screenshots to actually see it, like you said, Scott, um, empowering people to be able to create those resources themselves and the organization leverage them moving forward is, is a win-win. It's, it's, it causes empowerment with the employee because what they do and what they create and their opinion is valued. And the other side of things, it also saves time and money from your perspective because you didn't have to create that document that you know ad hoc came up and, and someone needed um, in a moment and they decided to create it themselves. So creating that sort of, I guess, you know, sit scenario or environment where where users feel the ability to create those necessary resources job aids um, infographics if they're a little bit more creative just data sheets or other things um, quick videos on how to walk through something just creates a a great environment for sharing for collaboration um, and you get a lot of value out of those things kind of all coming together and and combining yeah and you know, let's talk about one of the things that obviously as an organization is is maybe the hurdle that you, you feel that you have to clear whenever it comes to anything that's user-generated like this is what if the person's making uh, a sheet that directs folks in the, wrong, in the wrong space or skips a really invaluable step that means something financially or liability-wise to the company? Um, you know, I would always encourage you to let user-generated content flow through some sort of an approval process. So just to make sure, again, that there's no really, like, risky gap there. Um, we don't want people skipping really relevant steps, particularly if it's things around safety or uh, compliance, where that might be, you know, they think they found a shortcut to get through it, but it, it doesn't 
track or capture something they needed to do. But you, you, you need to foster that. And then when that does happen and someone says, look, you know, here's the way I do it. And I skip steps seven, nine and 12. And it turns out those are really critical. Like it's just an opportunity for you to also go back and coach. Hey, look, your form was great, but here's why we need to do these things. So it's never really shutting people down. We want you to keep creating, but um, keep in mind that, you know, that is always the risk. That's usually the conversation that I have with a client or an organization when they, whenever we bring up user generated content is like, well, what if they train them the wrong way? And the reality is, sometimes their great ideas are great ideas. And sometimes they're maybe trying to find a shortcut that gets them faster, but misses some key steps. Um, you kind of have to embrace the idea that they're, they're trying to be efficient and then find a way to support that I think is really the key rather than just shut it down. So I, I would encourage you to obviously um, find ways to motivate people, encourage them to, to participate. Um, but it doesn't hurt to have some kind of a, a review or approval process to make sure that it uh, isn't leading people in the wrong direction. I just just adding to that, Scott. I think I think you had a very um, interesting point from the perspective of you know moderating or being afraid of what people are going to put out there. Obviously, anytime social learning is is integrated into an environment, um, whether it's digital or it's encouraged kind of publicly, like moderation and coordination um, is something that is going to be a concern. Um, it always takes man hours. It's it's intimidating because it takes man hours. Um, but it comes back to the culture of your your environment. If you have a positive culture of learning that you're looking to uh, empower and engage individuals in, typically what you're going to get out of it is um, really positive. I have yet to see a situation where um, our communities and different environments or events were abused in certain ways that uh, leadership or, or our, our clients were concerned about. Um, they're always used differently than they originally predicted, but the users really do take advantage of them in a positive way. Um, and I think like Scott said, if you look at it from the perspective of, of what they're doing from a, from, you know, a collaboration or, or to make their jobs better, um, it's also an informal assessment, right? What better way are you going to be able to evaluate where your employee or where your team member is at, whether, you know, if they make a piece of content or create something around how they're doing their job every day. That's a that's a pretty good insight and a pretty good microscope onto how they're operating and creates those coaching opportunities, like you referenced, Scott, where you can go in and say, "Hey, this is a first of all, this is a, amazing. Um, it could be f amazing, and they could have thought something that you didn't. But also on the other side, like, hey, you really missed step seven. Why did you miss step seven? And maybe maybe you as a manager are missing something as well." Um, Maybe step seven you think is really important because you think it's really important and it might not be that important to the people in store. Maybe the customer doesn't care about it. Maybe it's just noise. Um, all of those things are possible. So um, I think the from the resources perspective and the moderation perspective around what people are putting out there, it gives you as a manager um, or a learning leader in your organization a lot of insight into how you can continue to grow your culture and, uh, and grow your content. All right, so we talked about reference material. I think the next uh, component of where user-generated content is going is is a really interesting one because I think this is not just a organizational learning shift. I think this is a just general cultural shift that we have seen in the last five to 10 years maybe, um, and probably even more so in the last year or two. Um, and I can explain what I mean by that. But this is 
what I think of as more active participation in terms of contribution. So if you think about the reference materials, that's mostly going to be passive, right? You've created some form of a document or a form or an intake process or something like that. You've put it out in the world, but it, it, it's not really you, if you will. Um, you are the uploader potentially as a user, but it's not your face, your name, your whatever. When we talk about the next, this is you being on stage uh, in a lot of ways. This is you contributing what I think of as more active content on your uh, your own kind of uh, environment. And realistically, this is things like how-to videos. This is role play scenarios. This is you contributing the demonstrations of the way you do your job. And when I say that this is something that is more cultural, this is what we do on our day-to-day -day basis. People are making TikTok videos. They are producing YouTube channels. Uh, they are making podcasts uh, and trying to contribute some of themselves back into the community to contribute something. And when we think of it more professionally, it's probably, this is how I do my job. Here's an example of good. Here's a vision of steps A through B. Um, and really trying to help people by being a voice, a true voice, uh, and being an active participant. And I think that mirrors what we see in social media, which is I think the power of it today is that we often have said, oh, users don't want to do this. And now we are seeing more and more and more with every passing year this desire to do this as just part of your fun of your job and be creative, part of your life and be creative. And I think we're going to see that be something that is a greater expectation of, of a learner within environments uh, in their organization. And it comes from the concept, I mean, there's a marketing statistic and I'd have to get the actual numbers, but it's something, it's somewhere north of 65% of people will actually purchase a product when recommended by others. Um, over, you know, market, general marketing materials. So in the same kind of concept is when I see a person my age who's running a YouTube channel about how to install a toilet, right? It, it makes me more confident the ability that I can go install a toilet. Um, and that concept of going out there and, and getting that, that user generated content from YouTube, from TikTok, um, Feel like a lot of us get information from TikTok now. Obviously, fact check that. Um, but uh, it is something that we go out there and, and do. It is it is part of our normal day to day. It is part of our normal behavior. Um, it's what starts conversations and it's what progresses us forward. Um, it's also a great way if you encourage kind of going out to those traditional content sources that are available today. Um, it's a great way to collaborate and gain resources. So like an example of this would be, I just did my, or I, I've said it before, I'm doing my, my A license uh, for Canada soccer. Um, we had a great talk last Sunday about mental health and sport. Um, one of my favorite topics to discuss um, when it comes to, to athletes, but one of our activities afterwards were, were number one, um, provide a Ted talk or a blog or a resource that you enjoyed reading or you enjoyed engaging or spoke to you really well, um, you know, into our public forum, number one. And number two was create a two to three minute video yourself on what, you know, mental health means to you and sport and that. So in that instance, we went from having a class of 30 people to now having 60 pieces of content about mental health and sport. And I think what we're talking about are those resources is leveraging them um, that are out there just creates this this giant document and creates an opportunity to curate a lot of information out to your audience rather than having to create, 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 which can become exhausting over time.
let's let's talk about uh, some of what is in the world today. And I think so often, again, the clients, and I referenced it early uh, in this segment, was that we hear, oh, users don't want this to be part of their job. This isn't something they'll want to contribute. This isn't something they want to do. Now, granted, there's also organizations that say something we don't want them to do, which is another side of this. But I, there's this phenomenon that I'm not 100% sure is a positive thing, but I see it whenever, pretty much wherever I go, um, where I'll be in a restaurant or um, we went to Disney World recently, not super recently, but not that long ago. And while waiting in lines, I watch tween and teen boys and girls standing still, and they will just spontaneously bust out in a TikTok dance, practicing it over and over and over again. Um, there's no music. There's nothing. It was just in their head that they're doing it. Now, I'm a little worried that it's a nervous tick that will eventually cause them control problems down the road. That aside... <laughs> When you think about that from an organizational perspective, one, those individuals are doing it because they want to. There's nobody making them do these things, so they're practicing. But if you can start to encourage, maybe not TikTok as a learning methodology, but something like that, people will start to practice. And with practice comes skill gain, and they're going to become more refined in the way they do things. Um, and if you can encourage that behavior that is positive and make it engaging and fun and promote it, uh, in a way that lets everybody do a challenge that is designed to make them better at their job and they all start to practice, that's only going to help your organization in that way. And we're proving over and over and over again that users want the creative outlet that is social media. And I think in often cases, right now especially, that, that becomes a replacement for um, a way to reach out to people, which I think speaks to Daniel when you're talking about things like mental health. Um, this is an outlet for a lot of folks to almost converse uh, even if it's passive and it's through contribution um, and have some connection with people. And that's not a bad thing either. So um, I, I, I encourage folks to embrace this notion of this creative side of all of your employees being able to um, help others learn and hopefully uh, have some fun doing it too. All right. So <clears throat> user-generated content, uh, we spent some time on it, obviously, but what do you get out of it as an organization? What, what are the benefits of <clears throat> enabling or allowing your users to bolster your content in some way, shape, or form, or provide something back into the community? Um, and we thought, you know, it's been a while since we gave you a list, and we thought, but not a traditional list. So we wanted to get super creative. So we're going to give you the three E's that make up benefits of user-generated content. Uh, we'll walk through them a little bit, kind of talk on dialogue each one. But the first one, uh, Daniel mentioned it in one of our other segments, but it's empowerment. This is the idea that you are giving users a voice in your culture. You're letting them be active participants and contribute back to the community. Are you empowering those folks to make smart decisions that will better everyone uh, and give them a voice? And I think that's a really powerful tool for you uh, from a benefit perspective because it's going to keep people more engaged. All right, so we've talked about different kinds of user-generated content, maybe how it can have some impacts in, in small moments or the way that content might be able to be used, but let's talk larger uh, concept or vision. What are the real benefits of user-generated content for you as an organization? And it's been a while since we gave you a list. Uh, we're not going to go traditional one through five or something like that. We thought, let's make it even catchier, something that'll resonate and stick a little bit more. We're going to give you the three E's of user-generated content and how they 
these E's benefit you. So um, the first one we want to do is empowerment. And this is really all about your learning culture. Do you have a culture that empowers your learners to contribute back content in some way to their greater audience, to their peers, to their leaders, um, so that they are contributing back in a meaningful way and giving them a voice in the process? Just, just to add, you know, a big part of your satisfaction in your role is, is being part of the discussion. I mean, in today's um, working world, the modern learner we talk about, the modern worker and modern employee um, doesn't want to just be instructed to do things. They don't want to be micromanaged. They want to be part of the success and part of the process and feel part of that and empowering them to create content that could bring themselves, others, their department um, to learn, grow, um, and be successful is going to foster the culture within your organization uh, and within your learning department that you're looking for. And let's face it, when, when you're enabled to provide content and be a part of the conversation, be a part of the process, you're more likely to stick around. You're going to be more satisfied in your job. And I think that's a good thing for a company as well. All right. Our second E is environment. Uh, and this is really about efficiency within your organization to bolster your content, to make your experience more robust within your platform, um, to provide a greater library even. Uh, often as an L&D team, you're strapped for time, money, resources, um, and you, you sort of have a cap on how much you can produce. Uh, and a lot of the messaging you're going to put out is very narrow and focused because of that. Letting users contribute back to your library helps you just build reinforcement and support materials, helps you produce more than you probably ever could have been able to do as a singular department. Uh, and that ultimately makes your, your library more robust and hopefully meets a lot of uh, different needs for your audience. We live in a world of content. I mean, the, the statistics around how much content and, and has been distributed to the world, uh, you know, annually, but also, you know, just over the past 10 years is massive. Um, and everybody's looking for more. Everybody's looking for more information. I mean, when you when you go searching for information online, you don't just stop at the first blog you see, or I hope you don't at least. Um, you look for more YouTube videos, more articles to read, uh, to get more information. And that's no different than what we're hearing um, from the environment of learning and development departments, training departments. They're looking to distribute more. So it's a way, um, and in most ways, uh, in most situations, it's a cost-effective way to grow the environment of your content, to grow the environment for learning um, within your organization, um, the way your learners are looking for it to be grown. Yeah, that diversity that meets every user's interest uh, is, is a great way to do this because one person might create that document that allows them to read, another does a video that allows them to watch, um, or gives a practice point. And as learners... Um, not everyone hears the message the same way from every different piece of content. And this, this gives them more of the outlet that, that speaks to them. Our last E is engagement. And this is really about um, letting users that are brought in contribute uh, to the process. And they're likely to stick around. They're, they're going to be more engaged in your organization. They're going to be more engaged in your uh, long-term career goals or career paths for themselves, they're going to stick with your organization longer because they're engaged with your organization. You're letting them be a part of everything. And that that in and of itself uh, is going to just help them retain more information as well, right? The more they contribute, 
the more they're doing teachbacks. We've talked in other episodes about the value of those that teach end up retaining stuff longer. Um, so when they're a part of the process, when they're contributing to the organization and they're teaching others, they're, they're uh, verbalizing their message or putting it down on paper, that just helps it stick in their brain from a retention standpoint. Um, and they're, they're just going to long-term be more invested in the program. Engagement's an interesting topic and, and something that is, is hugely, you know, a benefit in this, in this regard, but really when it comes down to it is, um, all of these benefits wrap up in the fact that you're bringing content to the users the way they want to receive it. And, um, I always have a marketing analogy for everything because I come from a marketing background, but I love marketing when it comes to me and, and feels like it meets my needs. And I think content is and user generated content is the same way. And if you if you're able to do that, the engagement is just going to go through the roof with uh, your audience. And I'll, I'll wrap up. We we tried to come up with all different kinds of e words, and um, I think we've thrown quite a few into the system uh, as we kind of talked through these. But another one that we just when we talk about like retention and, and engagement and uh, might be more organizational. We couldn't figure out how to exactly place it in there, but it's evaluation or employment or something like that. As an organization, a great way to evaluate your talent bench and to see who's truly motivated and truly being uh, a contributor to your organization is user-generated content. It tells you, do they understand the message? Are they helping their peers? Are they going out of their way to be uh, energized or more motivated to contribute? Um, and you can sort of evaluate whether or not you've got uh, high potential leaders coming through? Are there folks that uh, would be good on your, your L&D team as spaces open up? Um, so this user-generated content can really benefit almost your talent acquisition or HR side of your business as well uh, as a way to see what, what users are doing in the system and are they trying to have a positive impact as well. And just to add to that, I know you were wrapping up, Scott, and I'm not trying to get the last word here, okay? I Go for it. I, you know. um, we talk about user-generated content in a in a private space in terms of like a learning management system. I just wanted to add in that also from an organization perspective, user-generated content in a public space uh, is also really positive as well. Um, I, I think that when you talked about HR and talent acquisition and it just popped into my brain, maybe we need to dive into it on another podcast, but the amount of people that get interviewed at Haylight or other companies who reference the podcast, reference people's posts on LinkedIn, what they said about things, which is all different types of user-generated content, um, is huge and it, and it encourages people to want to be part of an organization. And I think it encompasses everything we just went through um, and encouraging your team members across the board um, to, to create content around things they're passionate about is always going to have a great impact. Um, I was going to say on and off the field because like coaching just came to my head, but like in the office, out of the office or just in their everyday life. From the boardroom to the ball field. There you go. Come on, get happy. All right, it's that time in the show. It's time to get happy. We uh, we want to wrap up a little positivity, uh, something fun going on in our lives, as always. And uh, I'm, I'm super excited. So uh, recently, uh, last week or so, um, one of the boys from uh, Mason's baseball team uh, moved into our neighborhood. So uh, we have tons of kids in our neighborhood. It's, it's kind of a free-for-all of young children everywhere. But uh, it's been fun to have a family that we know move in as well. Um, and it has ramped up the number of children running in and out of my house, which can be a bit chaotic at times, but also like just the fun uh, and the joy that's uh, having kids around. Um, and this week has been warm enough now where kids are starting to feel a little bit more adventurous and roam the neighborhood. But having more kids 
in and out of the house. Yes, they're raiding my pantry, and I'm sure my food bill is about to go, my grocery bill is about to go through the uh, the roof. But um, that's what happens when you have a lot of young boys running in and out. Um, but there's giggling, and they're smiling, and they're running, and they're having fun, and they're being active. Um, and it's been just really fun to see. It's not that it has, that's not necessarily new to this week, um, but it has been a lot of fun to just watch as the weather's slowly starting to get a little warmer. This year seems a little slower than others, but um, I've just been really enjoying watching the boys have a lot of fun and making more and more friends. Uh, it feels like every every year more kids move into the neighborhood. So uh, just excited for that. That's awesome. I it's always I'm looking forward to that too, but uh, we're back over here in lockdown. But I didn't want to make this negative thing. So on that note, um, I would like to give a formal congratulations to my brother Ryan and his uh, wife Kay, who uh, just had their first uh, child um, over the weekend. So I am, you know, over the past year, you guys have all got to see me grow up as as da- dad Daniel. Uh, I'm now Uncle Daniel. Um, my brother made lots of jokes about buying my daughter a pony over the past year. And I, you know, this may be a competition, but every time he makes a threat, he will get one right back now. So, um, welcome to the world, uh, Selma. I was, got to meet her last night. It was an amazing time. Oakley loved her to death, gave her some hugs and kisses, was very gentle. So it was a heartwarming moment last night, um, which I, you know, was, am super grateful for, and I'm um, happy that, uh, you know, I'm I'm an uncle now to a, a beautiful little niece. I love it. Uh, so officially, uh, we will no longer introduce him as Daniel Mendonca on the show. He's now just going to be Unky Danny. Uh, that's Unky what's Danny. happening. Uh, I've decided. I've dubbed it. It is a thing. Uh, so I'm curious, though, when, when Christmas happened, did Oakley get the most loud, obnoxious toys from your brothers uh, or from uh, Hillary's side of the family? Because like, in our house... My my sister and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law have made it their life's mission to give us the most obnoxious things that they can for Christmas for the boys, uh, just to make our lives harder. So it's it's good that you could give it back if that's the case. It's 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 been largest items, mm. the largest items, like not necessarily most expensive, just like the largest. Um, but that gives me a great idea, and I feel like you know Christmas is only a few months. Oh, I guess it's like nine months away, but just you know, a few. It's, it's right just, around the corner. Joe, Daniel, it's right so. around the corner. Right. There's a couple seasons every year, right? There's spring. We're in spring right now. There's summer, fall, you know, yeah, there's right Thanksgiving there, right and, Christmas, there. and Christmas. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna start planning. Something annoying makes a lot of noise. Um I, I encourage battery powered, lots of lights, lots of noise. Whatever that is that can be just a buttons that get pushed and hammered repeatedly, mm-hmm. go for that. That's mm-hmm. the win right there. Just a little little uh friendly gift giving trick for you there for the uh those in your life. So All right, with that, that will wrap it up for today's episode. I'm Scott Babcock, he's Daniel Mendonca, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation by emailing us at podcast at haylight.com. Find us on social media at Build It, Learn It, and be sure to check us out on the web at www.haylight.com. That's H-A-L-I-G-H-T dot com.